Inside Basketball Conference podcast. We did not think that we were going to have a Week Zero recap, but it's one of those things where you watch that Miami-Florida game last night, and first of all, there's no Joey. Let's start there. Let's back up a step. There's no Joey. It's just me. It's Mike. That's it. Except we got Cam Underwood. Yeah, I was going to say, except we got Cam Underwood on with us from State of the U because his Hurricanes – Almost knocked off the number eight team in the country last night. Cam, it's a tough loss, but hey, that was a tightly contested game. I mean, I came away as a neutral fan, much more impressed with Miami than I was with Florida. Yeah, yeah, you know, so let's, you know, just start off. Hey, it's good to be here and everything. And I saw, you know, your your tweet after, I don't even, it was after midnight that I finished that piece, but, you know, the the weekly good, bad, and ugly team grades and everything, and you know, you, you tweeted it out and like, yeah, we could talk about it, but like, just read the article. And I was like, no, like, give me on the microphone. Let's go talk. So, <laughs> you know, um, here we are, here we are. Exactly. You know, so here we sit. So, you know, we you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, Joseph couldn't be here with us and everything, but uh, no, it was, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I wanted to hop on microphone, man. You know, it was just, uh, it was a little heartbreaking. Cause I, you know, I thought we had that game. We had a couple opportunities to put that game away and, and didn't finish them. Um, and I have never been more sad to have been a hundred percent dead accurate because I predicted we were going to lose to Florida. I predicted 24, 20 as the score. Um, and I'd been on that for like a week and a half. Like I could not have been more right if I tried and I hate it because I cannot stand losing to those guys. Uh, you and Barrett Salee also from CBS Sports said twenty four twenty, and uh, yep. that was that was pretty impressive. Uh, I saw both of those. I players. mean, look, it, I knew it was going to be a defensive game. Both teams' defenses are strong, and I knew like the offenses were going to struggle. And I, you know, don't trust Felipe Franks. And I mean, like, I don't, I didn't see anything to make me change that. He did hit a couple throws when he had to. He wasn't really spectacular. Um, you know, but they did that last touchdown drive. You know, they they saw that they had a mismatch on Gilbert Frierson, and uh, you know they faked something to the to the uh, left side of the field uh, for their offense, and then they hit him up the seam. And you know, I was screaming. I said I saw it live, and I I didn't get a chance to tweet it because it was like in the play. But I was screaming in my house. I said Gilbert, tackle him, tackle him. Just I mean, he got a free release. Yeah. I said tackle him at the twenty-five. You know, because it was first and ten on the twenty after the missed field goal. I said, yo, just tackle him at the twenty-five, take the fifteen, but don't give up the seven. You need all points, you know. And uh, you know, I mean, I had to give credit to Franks for hitting that, but I mean, I was, I mean, he's he's decidedly average. You know, the first time that he throws for three hundred against a good team, will, you know, the next time will be the first time. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, the broadcast was talking about you know flush or rushing hard to the offense's right to make him run left. Because, duh, right-handed quarterbacks want to roll to the right, and that's where they, you know, make magic happen. But, I mean, I didn't I didn't see anything from Franks that, like, was really mind-blowing or anything. But, uh, nevertheless, still a tough loss. But, you know, hey, onward we go. The uh, Miami-Florida game itself last night was the second-best rivalry taking place. The first-best rivalry is Felipe Franks and the battle for consistency, dude. He is <laughs> brutal. Yeah, I mean, brutal. Did you see that that uh, that tweet with the the mashup? There's uh, you know Felipe Franks, you know, like I'm gonna win the Heisman. I do this, I does this, or whatever. And then the very next throw, he pump fakes and then throws an interception into. I can't even call it triple coverage because there was no receiver there. It was just three Miami Hurricanes with white jerseys, and he stared it down to his right, pumped it, and then threw it. And I'm just like, are you? And and they had the lead at the time, by the way. So I'm like, what are you doing? You should be running the ball. But, you know, yeah, frank consistency is not a marriage made, uh, you know, to last, obviously. Yeah, so uh, we'll dive into specifics of this game as, as we go along. It was the only ACC game that took place here in week zero. Um, there was some entertaining but horrible football on earlier in the day with Villanova and Colgate that I caught a little piece of. Uh, some Youngstown State and Samford. Cam, I mean, I'm, I'm watching FCS games leading up to this Miami game, and then I'm watching Pac-12 after dark. And, dude, you thought Ooh, that boy. there were turnovers in this Miami-Florida game. <laughs> oh, boy, did we have a treat for you in the nightcap. That was ugly, 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 ugly in that Arizona-Hawaii game. That was a – I mean, I, I was calling Miami and Florida. I, I was sitting here with my uh, 
my sister's fiance were watching this Miami game and I, I told him, I was like, man, this is like a, a terrible car crash. You can't look away with some of the turnovers so that bad. Frank's turnover you just mentioned was a terrible interception. Some of the fumbles, just Jaron Williams holding on to the ball way too long, which you expect out of a freshman. But I mean, there were some moments in that game last night that made me cringe, but that's why it's week zero. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you're right about that. And then it was the same kind of a thing for, you know, Hawaii and Arizona, you know, not to, you know, dive too deep on that, but you know, when you have a quarterback who's thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns and you pull him out of the game because he's turned the ball over five times, you know that stuff is weird. And that's what happened with Hawaii, by the way. <laughs> like, and I'm not exaggerating. Go look it up because I was watching it as I was, uh, you know, writing a recap and team grades and everything. It was absolutely, absolutely crazy game. College football's back, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's dive right in. <laughs> let's dive right in here, Cam. Uh, to this Miami game, all right, um, my initial takeaway, I mean, you all watched it, you all saw what happened, so Cam and I are just going to go high-level takeaways and dive a little bit into details. We can go stats all day long, but the one, my biggest takeaway, Cam, is Jaron Williams. I think Miami found a quarterback, buddy. He's good, man. You know, he's good. He's good. He has all the talent in the world, um, and he's, you know, he's fearless. Like, he stood in there, uh, again, in the face of uh, unrelenting pass rush, um, you know, and he, he stood in there, he stuck some throws, you know, he threw a touchdown to Brevin Jordan, uh, across the middle, uh, you know, found Brevin Jordan. I think he had five catches for 88 and a touchdown. So that mismatch against Florida's defense, which we all predicted came to fruition. Um, you know, he had a couple other nice plays. Uh, we ran a dagger concept to the field side, which is a seam route. And then a square in behind it, uh, after you clear the defenders, he, uh, into a tight window, um, you know, facing the rush, uh, that was a square into, I think that was KJ or, or um, Jeff Thomas on that. I had a couple other nice throws, man. Uh, I mean, yeah, you saw it. Like, that kid has incredible arm talent, uh, and he's fearless. And, you know, I still think, I mean, obviously he's young. You know, that was his first start. And that's going to be, if not the best defense that we played this, this year, it's going to be top, I mean, up until, excuse me, uh, potentially meeting Clemson in an ACC championship game. There's nobody else on the regular season uh, schedule with a defense as good as Florida's. You know what I mean? And he, right. you know, he he stood in there. He showed some guts. Um, you know, I do think he held the ball a little bit too long. That's what I was getting ready to say when my brain kind of went off. The game is still like a half step too fast for him a couple times. You know, like when he, when everything is clean and he sees it and he's like gone through everything and he's like been, you know, because every quarterback's seen cover two, cover three, you know, some blitzes and whatnot. But, you know, Florida went really exotic on him, especially when we had the lead. And you could just see, he's like, whoa, wait, whoa, that dude is not supposed to be there, you know? But, like, it's a Florida, you know, University of Florida defender, like a premium-level athlete. So uh, a couple of times, and I think that that went with him holding the ball a little bit, where he wasn't trusting his eyes. Um, But that's going to get cleaned up, so... You know, uh, he did take 10 sacks on the night. Some of that was the offensive line being quite poor. Some of that also was him holding the ball. Um, when you could have thrown it away, just chuck it into the stands when you're rolling outside of the tackles or things like that. So, uh, you know, all that to say, we did see some flashes of greatness and some things that need to improve. But, yeah, uh, Miami found a pretty good quarterback yesterday. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think the one takeaway on social media, it was ah. decidedly – Different depending on if you were a fan of Miami or a fan of a random team in the coastal. Let's call, I don't know, Virginia Tech, for example. Um, there were fans out there on social media saying, well, you know, this this Miami offensive line, you know, their tackles don't look very good. And that's good news for the Hokies in October. And I'm like, well, Virginia Tech didn't have a pass rush all last season. And they don't have a nice. single defensive lineman on their roster right now who's, who's got, especially on the interior, they don't have a single defensive tackle cam with a sack in their career and we got we got Virginia Tech we got Virginia Tech fans talking like you know Miami's going to be some cakewalk in October because they got two freshman offensive linemen like I don't (laughs) I don't really understand this buddy and look you know and, and I'll back that up you know Virginia Tech did have a pass rush last year and that was in the opener against Florida State and the person who provided that pass rush not worth 94 for the Miami Hurricanes because that was Trayvon Hill. <laughs> He's no longer on the He's roster. It. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I, I hear the bravado from other teams. I'm like, oh, we can do that. Can you, though? Like, do you have the ability? You know, you and I were talking quickly before we started recording. You know, obviously, Zion Nelson being a true freshman, like, 
just out of high school at left tackle. You know, he was a little bit out of his depth. You got John Campbell at right tackle, redshirt freshman, who, whoo, boy, I mean, it was a struggle for him as well. But going against those two dudes, John Grenard, a fifth-year senior who was at Louisville for four years, and he comes over, and then Jabari Zuniga, who's going to be a first-round draft pick probably, or, I mean, top 60 at least, on you know either side. What team on Miami's schedule has dudes like that? You know what I mean? Like, not just one, because with one, you can figure it out. I mean, obviously, it's different. But when Bryant McKinney was left tackle and he went up against Dwight Freeney back in the day in 01, shut all that down real quick because it was one dude on Syracuse's defense to focus on. They had both sides. It was like Wade and Braun going down the wing on a fast break. Honestly, like, where, where do you go? Like, do you do you lean one way or the other? Because they're both dynamic dudes, and you saw that out, you know. And I don't think – no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm going to go even more declarative. There is no team on the schedule that has two dudes like that, including Virginia Tech. So I get where other programs and other fan bases saw what happened yesterday, and they're like, oh, yeah, we can replicate that. I don't think that anybody has the talent to replicate that against Miami. And hopefully on my side of the street – those pe- those guys who were blocking develop over the course of the year. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think given the schedule that Miami has, mostly featuring coastal division teams, which is good news for everybody involved, um, I think the offensive line will figure it out. I, I just don't think that they're, like you mentioned, there is not a defensive line on the rest of the schedule and a pass rush on the rest of the schedule like the one they saw last night. And that's good news for Miami. And you know, the fact that their offensive line couldn't handle two potential first-round picks, right, um, or at least two potential NFL draft picks at the very least, uh, isn't a referendum necessarily on Miami's offensive line. Sure, they have a lot to improve on, right? I think that's pretty clear from last night. I don't think there's, uh, you know, we, we come away from that game last night knowing that Miami's offensive line was not all that good. How much of that was Florida and how much of that was Miami's offensive lineman just not being very good? We'll know the answer to that as the season goes on. I tend to think it's more of the Florida defensive pressure and, you know, a mix of inexperience up front that I, I think will will do well playing a couple of FCS teams and, uh, you know, and at one single FCS team and a couple of no names on the schedule plus Coastal Division, I think we'll, we'll do them right. Um, Jeff Thomas, that was not the greatest showing. Uh, that, that, if I had to pick, if I had to pick one thing that surprised me most last night, it was that Jeff Thomas didn't really show up and play all that well. Yeah. I mean, he had one, you know, he took a jet sweep end around kind of thing, uh, for 16. He had like three catches for 40 something, had that nice nifty, uh, juke slash inside reverse spin, uh, on the one catch up the left side, uh, which was nice. But I mean, muffing that punt at the 10 or 15, uh, which was immediately turned into seven points. Um, Yeah, I I mean, like, I just look at how he went to go catch the ball, and I know for a fact that's not how they teach it. You know what I mean? Like, at Media Day a couple years ago, I got to talk to Braxton Berrios before his junior? Sophomore junior. I forget which one it was. But and I asked him, like, show me what, you know, what are the steps of, you know, catching a pun? And they're like, how are you supposed to align your body? I want to see it from you. Teach me how to do it. And what we saw from Jeff Thomas was not it. Like he put his heels somewhere, but he's leaning and like trying to sit down with it. And obviously that didn't go well. Um, and then, you know, with the chance to to put the game away or, or to get the lead at the end, um, dropped a ball in the end zone that would have been a tough catch. I mean, it was Jaron Williams. That's a, that's a play where he stuck in the face of pressure. And he said, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to throw this ball. And I've seen a lot of people because, okay, so the route was basically an option route or a quick out to Jeff Thomas going on the right-hand side because the ball was on the right hash. He stood in there. He threw it on a dime. It's going to be a touchdown or incompletion. Uh, Hit Jeff Thomas diving in both hands, you know, in front of C.J. Henderson, who really didn't affect the play. He didn't get his hand in, in between, you know, on the ball or anything. And Jeff Thomas didn't come up with that catch. And I'm sorry, like, you're supposed to be an NFL caliber player. I need that ball. I need that catch when it hits you on both hands. Um, You know, and that was just – that was disappointing, you know. And Miami went and missed the field goal after that also, which, you know, didn't help things either. But, uh, yeah, that that was a little disappointing. Um, You know, yeah, for a player of his caliber. And, yeah, I mean, I know that Florida obviously put, you know, C.J. Henderson on him for the most uh, majority of the night. You're trying to take him away. And, you know, you did. But even times when – 
you run a good route in goal line situation, you hit, have the ball on time, like accurate on time, and hits you in both hands, you don't catch that. You fumble the punt. It was, and I tweeted it when he fumbled the punt. I said that might be the mistake because we were up 20 to 17 at the time. I said that might be the mistake that cost us the game. And it ended up being that. Um, wait, no. We were, were we up 20 to 17? We were up at the time, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, that's a, I, and I tweeted it then, and I think that bore itself out to be true. Yes, there was additional touchdowns to be scored by both teams, but like that was the one where Miami's holding on by a thread, looking to go up big, and then wouldn't able to do it. Yeah, I didn't expect Thomas to kind of blow it in such a kind of way. Bubba Baxa was such a lovable character, and then he missed that short field goal. Um, that was, that seemed like a killer at the time for momentum, and then all hell essentially broke loose throughout the rest of the game. Um, all right, so Jeff. Well, I mean, if you, if you think about if you think about the missed field goal, that changed the complexion of the rest of the game because if you make that field goal, it's twenty four twenty three. So everything that follows is now trying to get a field goal, not or a field goal attempt at least. And I, we all know hashtag college kickers. You don't want to like just try to settle for a fifty yarder. But if you're playing to get for a field goal at, at worst, that's different than trying to get at the end zone or the ball yep. game. No, you know I'm, I'm I mean? with you. Um, so Jeff Thomas. Uh, not his best game. We'll just leave it there. Um, Bubba Baxa, I mean, okay game. That was a killer miss, though. But he was all right. Yeah. He was all right overall. Yeah. Just that's a tough miss. Um, DJ Dallas, really freaking impressive, Cam. Um, and and this is something that I'll, I'll give Joey credit for because we were, we were texting back and forth. And this is something I know Joey would love for me to mention on this podcast. The fact that DJ Dallas last night looked like he was used correctly in an offense for one of the first times in his career, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you're actually honestly. using him in a, in a role of, like, wildcat quarterback slash get him into space and let him work. I mean, that is obviously where he's going to be most effective moving forward for Miami because he was really good in that role last night. Yeah, and I mean, it's just <clears throat> even he is Miami's starting running back, you know, but you can move him around. You know, you can use him in the screen game. Obviously, he had a huge catch uh, in that that gained 40 yards uh, in a screen. You know, you use him in a wildcat. He spun out of, like, seven tackles on uh, that play and ran for a 50-yard touchdown. You know, um, he even – they have him with a pass attempt. I don't remember when that was. But, you know, you put him in a wildcat quarterback, and, then you know, you can even have him throw the ball because he was a high school quarterback, uh, you know, and, and did pretty well at that, you know, moving around in a kind of, you know, slash role. But, yeah, man, you know, just – being able to give playmakers the ball. And that's what we talked about when I came on for the season preview, excuse me. You know, it's just, he's a guy with elite short area quickness. He's not the fastest, but he's pretty fast. And you saw that in the 50 yard touchdown run. Like, I mean, I don't think that he's running away from everybody at 70 yards, but you know, quick in the short area, you get to like 12 or 15 to that third level. Then, you know, you got to run about 30, 35, you can pull away or, you know, sustain that speed. Yeah. But yeah, moving him around a little bit, uh, DJ Dallas, that is, is really going to highlight his skill set because he can do so many things well. He's kind of, you know, the jack of all trades, but master of none. But I'm pretty good at all of these different things. So let me do all of these different things. Um, you know, and then you add in a little bit of Cameron Harris, who, you know, ran over a dude like pretty nasty in there. You know, we didn't see any Robert Burns. We didn't see any Lorenzo Lingard last night um, because, you know, against Florida, look, you got to go with just the top guys, you know, and even with having really good depth at running back, we're still going to cut that down. You know, we're not going to hit the full rotation, but yeah, moving DJ around, you know, adding in Cam. Oh, Jesus. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Adding in Cam and everybody else. Um, it, it, it can work, you know, you get a little bit better and more consistent offensive line play. Uh, obviously the tight ends are going to be a big thing. KJ Osborne at wide receiver looked pretty good. You know what I mean? Jeff Thomas. Yeah. He had his struggles in the game, but he's still, you know, a game breaking type player, uh, you know, and then that's not even getting into the Mark Popes of the world and, you know, guys like that. So yeah, I think DJ was finally used in the, in the right way and you saw he had a really good game. So you mentioned this guy briefly a second ago, um, a Buffalo transfer, and we mentioned him on the season preview cam. K.J. Osborne, he only had 41 yards on four catches last night, but he had a couple of really nice plays there for Miami. He's a guy who, while not too flashy last night, he's going to be one of the better players in the ACC this year at receiver. I, I just have a hard time outside of Clemson. I mean, Clemson's got ridiculous depth, but K.J. Osborne's a player, man. 
he's a good he's a good player, and Miami's really going to use him effectively. I think. Yeah, and I mean those four catches were on all four of his targets last night, so a hundred percent catch rate. You know, on the balls that were thrown his way, um, not even something broken up or intercepted or otherwise. Like the ball got thrown to number two and it got caught. Um, and yeah, he's just a technician out there. You know what I mean? Like he just he's you know obviously came to Miami to elevate his draft stock to go to the NFL. Obviously, he came in because we needed a leader in that room, so he's you know handling that um, extra duty as well. But KJ Osborne can play, you know, and you know, yeah, it, it was a little tough sledding overall for Miami's passing game because, you know, Florida's defense did get after it up front, uh, which kind of did negate some of the things that, you know, we would have or could have dialed up. But KJ Osborne, you know, he's, he's a pro, you know, I don't know if, uh, what other way to say it, but yeah, he's a mature guy. He's, he's very polished and professional. uh, And I think that he raises the, the floor at least at this receiver position for Miami. Before we get into a broader discussion about the running game that we'll jump into in a second, there's one, more guy I want to name from the receiving core and he plays tight end and he's a matchup nightmare for every single team remaining on the schedule. And he was a matchup problem for one of the best defenses in the SEC last night, Brevin Jordan. And he's a guy who we, we brought up Cam and you talked about how good he was going to be on the podcast uh, to preview Miami season. And Florida didn't have an answer for him last night. I mean, they tried in the second half and slowed things down a little bit. Right. But he, I mean, he was a problem. 88 yards on five catches, had that touchdown. Uh, he's he's an issue, man. He's a big tight end, and he runs like a deer. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, man. I mean, he's super athletic. He's like, you know, 6'3", 250, so he's not the tallest tight end out there. But, I mean, you can put him anywhere. I mean, I hated the fact that they pointed it out on the broadcast. Uh, I think it was before a Florida timeout. But, you know, he was lined up at fullback. You know, like just in I formation fullback uh, for a couple of plays. You know, you can put him there, H back, slot. You can even put him out wide if you want to, which obviously, you know, you do at the high school level. You see, you know, all star. Rec- I mean, he did it at the high school level. Will Mallory, the other tight end at Miami, who's really good, he was a wide receiver because he was only 207 pounds in high school. And you see all kinds of guys do that. But, you know, Brevin Jordan's awesome. You know, he was the number one tight end recruit last year. He was the uh, freshman first team All American last year. And for good reason, you see it. Um, you know, and I, I did had to put a little jab at Florida in the good, the bad, the ugly, because, you know, Miami actually uses their tight ends. Like, you know, and everybody was talking about, oh, like Florida's tight end position is better than Miami's. No, it's not, because we have Brevin Jordan and you don't. You know, and that's just a matchup problem. And Brevin Jordan is this great gregarious person with this huge um, personality when he goes through his interviews and speaks to the media and things like that. And he was talking about it. He was like, yeah, like, you know, no matter where you put me, it's going to be a mismatch because I'm too fast for linebackers. I'm too big for safeties. So what are you going to do? You know, and I, I can run pretty much everything in the route tree. So no matter where you put me, I have a mismatch available to me to use. And he did that last night. I mean, if Miami could have protected a little bit better, I think there were a couple other plays where he was open that uh, Jaron Williams was not able to pull the trigger and get him the ball, but he easily could have had, you know, seven, eight catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns. And it wouldn't have been, it would have been light work just like you saw. So yeah, Brevin Jordan, I I mean, if there's a better tight end in America, I haven't seen him. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And uh, the, the one thing that we talked about briefly kind of failed to mention explicitly is uh, Jaron Williams ability to extend plays, which I think is going to come in especially crucial with all the athletes. They have a receiver, Brevin Jordan, especially the guys who they have out wide, the ability of Jaron Williams to extend plays, I think is going to come in handy. We talked about him holding on that ball too long. Yes, he did that. Freshmen are going to do that. And that's a very tough defense he played last night, but the ability to extend plays and the receivers that he has at his disposal. I mean, I just, Hey, I tweeted this. I just, Miami played well enough last night where I, I look at it on the screen. It's the only, it's the only FBS game I had watched to that point. And I'm looking at Miami and I'm thinking, yep, that is a team with the top end talent. And now the quarterback, in my opinion, to win the coastal division. And you know, I said, if Miami could find a quarterback, they had more than enough top end talent to win the coastal. That was clear. They, they have more top end talent than anybody in that division. Um, and, you know, they're among the two or three top teams in the conference in regards to the talent that they have on the roster. I mean, that's clear. Uh, but look, I think they found a quarterback. The receiving core is going to be really good. The, the one thing I, I want to bring up, and, and we talked about DJ Dallas briefly, is the running game as a whole. And Cam, you 
you rolled off a bunch of different guys at running back, right, that Miami tried to use last night. DJ Dallas was a one prominent one. He had that 150-yard touchdown run that um, put his stats in, in a better light. He had 12 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown, and he had that 50-yard run. But outside of that, the running game struggled overall yeah. last night, right? And it seemed like they were more comfortable putting the ball in the air with Jaron Williams than they were running the football against that Florida front, which – Cam, it might say more about Florida's defense, you know, the front seven of Florida than it does about Miami's running game and the offensive line at this point. But I'm curious to see where you fall uh, on that discussion. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to run it and like just into a brick wall. You know what I mean? And that has been something that Miami has struggled with. Obviously, you go back to that losing streak to Florida State, um, you know, for all those years and just couldn't get the run game going. Um, You know, you look at, games against top talent, you know, against Clemson a couple of times, you know, even with, you know, Pittsburgh when they were ranked a couple of years ago and things like that, it can be tough sledding for Miami to run the ball. So you did mix that in, you know, did have 36 rushes to 29 or 30 called passes, uh, including that DJ Dallas pass. Uh, so it was, you know, almost 50-50, but yeah, you know, just, yeah, I mean, and it's, it, yeah, it was just tough. You know, obviously you don't want to run into the brick wall, um, with no holes open up front and everything like that. So, yeah, you want to, you know, get the ball out of Jaron Williams' hands. And if you look at that first drive, when Miami had positive field position, you're, you're not starting from the 10 or the 5 or the 4, uh, which did happen, all three of those, I want to say, in the ball game. You start on the 25-yard line, so you have a little bit of breathing room. And the quick pass game to both sides of the field and everything, I mean, we were carving them up. And then there was a sack, and then a kind of – or a false start, and then a sack, and that – pushed us back so we had to settle for three but that first drive was surgical and no it wasn't like okay seven step drop gonna take a deep shot over 60 yards but Florida had no answers up front or at first in the quick passing game when you change the scenario with you know field leverage and game leverage and things like that where you're backed up those things are not necessarily available but I think that that was the appropriate game plan to try to hit quick passes so you know you don't really have the ability to uh, squat on any route. Like, squat. Let's try that again. You don't have the ability to squat on any routes in the uh, Florida secondary because the ball's coming out quickly. Even on you know a four-yard slant to Mark Pope, there was a tackle immediately, but it wasn't a pick six going in the other way. You know what I mean? So I think it was good to to do that and kind of have those quick passes as extensions of the running game. Um, but Miami still did try to run the ball a lot. Um, so I mean. And it's just tough because, yeah, I mean, it's just every way that you look at it, it's like, okay, well, you know, if you want to pass the ball more, what kind of passes are you going to do? Intermediate and deep shots? Because then you have to block because, okay, now what are you going to do? Are you going to leave guys in? Are they going to chip? You know, you only had the running backs stay in a little bit. You had a couple chip blocks from the tight ends before they released. But are you going to go max protect now? So that means you're taking guys out of running routes to try to help out. But then you're going to have, you know, double and triple coverage. And then you have really good defensive backs on the other side for Florida. Like, it's just kind of a catch-22. So, I mean, I would have preferred it if the efficiency would have been a little bit better, but I'm fine with the distribution of pass and run. Yeah, and I think we'll have a better idea overall as to how much you blame on the offensive line and the running backs just not finding holes versus the defensive front of Florida just being so physical and so tenacious. And, I mean, they're a legit defense, Cam. I mean, I had Tech fans in my mentions telling me, you know, because I basically said they're not, you know, Miami's not going to face a pass rush like this the rest of the year. You know, I have tech fans saying, well, how are we sure that Miami's offensive line isn't just bad? And I'm like, well, I mean, name a front seven as good as Florida um, on the rest of Miami's schedule. I'll wait, right? Like, uh, we can sit here all day, like, until a potential – and first of all, we don't know much about Clemson's front seven yet either, but you know they're going to be good just because of who they recruit. Um, but that that's the only team I can envision, and they're not even on the schedule, right? That would exactly. be an ACC championship game matchup. So it's – I don't know. I, I'm with you there. Let's, let's flip over to defense, Cam. Uh, it was ugly in the first half tackling-wise, and that goes for both sides, by the way. Not just Miami, but Florida as well. It, it was ugly tackling. We, we mentioned that uh, DJ Dallas run that he had against that Florida defense. That was SEC tackling if you're like Arkansas, right? Not if you're Florida. That was real bad. Yeah, that <laughs> right. was real bad. Um, Miami's defense was not very good bringing the running backs of Florida down or receivers of Florida down. Um, 
yo, Tony's 66-yard touchdown reception, he should have been tackled like four different times, man. Like, that can't happen. I mean, it should, I think that somebody counted six broken tackles or missed tackles on Tony's long touchdown on the, uh, the quick screen uh, pass. Um, yeah, you know, and I mean, you have Amari Carter missing the tackle twice, you know, one of your safeties on the same play. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, I saw as soon as they flared it out, I was like, oh, God, like, just I want you to run over there. Like, everybody run because – that's what scared me. That's why I called that kid out by name and saying he's the guy, the singular player on their offense that frightens me because he has, he has wiggle, obviously, and you saw that by juking some guys, and he has speed. Once he gets to the open field, you're not going to catch him. You know, like we do have, we have some guys who will hit you. Obviously, you saw that, even Trajan Bandy, you know, Amari Carter, Gervin Hall. But in an like, open foot race, we don't have burners in the secondary right now like that. You know what I mean? And, like, you saw that. So, yeah, it, it was – I mean, it was quick. That was their first offensive possession. Uh, so, like, we got three, and then they got they got seven right back. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it was it was a struggle, you know, just making tackles. I mean, you, you let Felipe Frank step out of about four or five sacks his darn self, you know, um, on that side. And I know that he's a, he's a tank. He's 6'6", 245. I know that it's not easy to get him on the ground, but you got to do it. You got to free run at him, and, you know, you miss it, and, you know, you go high or you try to – grab the outside of his left hip as he's kind of like, you know, skirting to the side and a kind of ole move. Like it just, yeah, it was, it was a struggle, you know, and in the, for the running backs, it wasn't bad, you know, like we were pretty much able to tackle them. Yeah. You might've gotten a couple, three yards extra on an inside run or something, but no, it was really like, it was Frank's and it was the receivers obviously, you know, highlighted by that or low lighted by that uh, Kadarius Tony touchdown. But yeah, it was, and that extended into the second half as well. Um, so, yeah, tackling. And Manny Diaz was pissed, absolutely just openly pissed, saying that's not how the Miami Hurricanes tackle. I don't know what was going on, but we got to get that. We will get that fixed in the next two weeks because, you know, we played on week zero, so we have a bye week this week before we go to play Carolina um, September the 7th or whatever, 8th uh, day that is. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was a – unfortunately, it was a struggle for, for large parts of the game in, in tackling. And, you know, luckily – as the game wore on, we had guys who were swarming to the ball. So even if the first guy missed, there were other guys there to, you know, make the play. But, yeah, just the tackle the has to be better because it, it just, does, just does. Yeah, I mean, they got to clean up the tackling, right? And for Manny Diaz's sake, I mean, he's running all over the sideline, yelling at the guys on defense. They were showing it all over TV. I mean, he's having enough trouble managing a game, Cam, without <laughs> without uh, without yelling at his defense, trying to figure out how they're going to tackle. The game management was not very good last night. It was not. It was not. Um, there were just a bunch of operational issues. Um, I I didn't even look at how many. Can I see the penalties? Because I still have the stats page open. Yes, I do. Okay, let's see. Penalties. Um, delay game one, delay game two, false start three, uh, illegal substitution four, false start five, false start six, um, delay game seven. Yeah, so like those are all and, – and there's other ones that I'm not even – calling but those are all operational pe- penalties right there you know what i mean and you call two timeouts because uh the play clock was running down as well so there's nine individual instances and there's probably even a couple more um so yeah game management was just bad i mean if you, if you think about it miami ran 66 plays and i just counted you nine different um operational things that happened you know th- that were bad that were penalties um in, or penalties or timeouts, you know, not including, you know, negative plays because, you know, obviously with all the sacks and everything, all in the tackles for loss as well, I think Miami had like a 28 or 30% negative play rate last night. You know what I mean? Like one out of all, almost one out of every three plays went for negative, went backwards. And then again, it's not even taking into account all the operational things that we saw that were not going well. Um, Oh, and I didn't even mention the fact that, you know, Florida got a first down on a fake punt on the first fourth down of the game. And they went four for four on fourth downs. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah, there were a lot of things that need improving on just like the operational structure of exiting the huddle at 17 instead of seven. Right. You know what I mean? Like just all those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, Manny Diaz did – kind of have to he has to learn how to balance that because 
he is a very good motivator. Obviously, you saw that little interstitial cut coming back from commercial after a Florida touchdown where he's berating the defense and just imploring them to do better, and they did after that. But, you know, that's why you hire Blake Baker to be the defensive coordinator. Like, you got to be focused in front of you on the field, not behind you on the bench. You know, like, that's what you did as a defensive coordinator. So uh, I say all of that to say that, yeah, the operational part of the game um, was quite poor and needs improving. Yeah, just get the play in before this 15 to 17 second mark. And like you said, break the huddle before that, right? Like, I mean, they were breaking the huddle at four. Yeah. Like, literally. I mean, you like, just don't have a shot. Yeah. yeah. You just don't have a shot when that happens, you know? It's tough. Um, <laughs> let's go with the good. So, so we mentioned some of the issues that they had on defense from a lack of tackling standpoint. But let's talk about the defense from a um, – at least the pros, right, and the positives. Uh, Rajon Bandy, real good. <laughs> real good player. Real real good player. He was – and I know that people uh, have said this and some people have pushed back on it, but uh, Trajan Bandy was the best cornerback on the field last night, and that's on a field with Marco Wilson and C.J. Henderson from Florida. I think that he played clearly the best game uh, of any corner on the field, um, absolutely locked down, uh, supporting and run, uh, you know, run support – um, lockdown and coverage, uh, had a couple pass breakups and things like that. Um, just a stellar stuff player. And I'm very happy that Miami decided to reverse course um, and offer him a scholarship because you know, he's five nine. and long story short, um, you know, we were not going to take him uh, as a scholarship player because, you know, he was small, uh, or at least Al Golden when he was here because that's, you know, about the time uh, and then the beginning of the, the Mark Richt era. But I'm glad that they changed their mind because you see that he's this kind of player. You know, like everybody is not this way, but he's definitely a player who plays bigger than his height. Like it's heart, you know, the size of the fight and the dog, not the size of the dog in the fight. You know, that kind of a thing with Trajan Bandy. And yeah, he, he was super good, super good. And I'm glad that he's on my team. Yeah, he's a good player. And, and the one thing just overall I'd say about the Miami secondary last night is their ability to kind of, with the exception of the Tony touchdown, where they sent him in motion and nobody went with him, right? And in Florida just had numbers on the right side of the field. Like Miami was on everything last night, in my opinion. I mean, they were on every single thing that Florida was trying to do offensively. It was just a lack of tackling, which is obviously a major issue and something they'll have to clean up. And we mentioned that. But I think the thing that's really encouraging is that Blake Baker defense was on so many of the Florida plays last night, and they were aware of what was happening. They knew what Florida was trying to do offensively. And inherently, Florida is limited with Felipe Franks because he can only do so much. He is a athletic, a gifted athletic player. He's battled inconsistency issues, and we saw that last night. But Miami was ready for him. They were ready for the, uh, they were ready for the Florida running game. We already mentioned that. But what was most impressive to me is schematically, I thought Miami was in a really good place last night overall. They had that busted coverage on that Tony play. But outside of that, I thought they were really strong and, and solid and sound from a schematic standpoint. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, this is why we brought in Blake Baker to keep consistency on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, in terms of uh, nomenclature, verbiage and uh, scheme. So you saw a lot of that. Yeah, there was that bust where, you know, you send somebody in motion and, I mean, yeah, you want to disguise some things sometimes, but look, sometimes you got to move because that's the guy. He's the fastest guy on the field. Tony can move, on, man. He can move. Like, he can move. Like, out of all 22 dudes on that field, he's the fastest guy. We got to shift a little bit to account for that and did not. Um, so you saw that. But, you know, otherwise, yeah, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, Florida did get a – or they had just such a good field position all game long. They were winning the field position game uh, pretty, like, dramatically for a while uh, there. And, uh, yeah, you know, they scored on a couple uh, short fields. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, on that uh, that seam route to Josh Hammond on the eventual game-winning touchdown drive there, um, I was seeing people discuss it. And even I talked with one of our guys from uh, State of the U today. Amari Carter should have been over top of that um, and wasn't. And so, you know, Gilbert Frierson lets him go with an inside release. And he's just like, okay, because I have, oh, God, there is no help there. Uh, you know, so, I mean, but if you think about it, the Tony touchdown and that, you know, 65-yarder to Hammond up the seam, though, I mean, that's 131 yards of offense. And Florida only had 306 yards of offense. So that's well over a third of, you know, what? Two plays. And, and they're two, two plays. plays. 
over a third of their offensive production, you know, and it led to, you know, over half of their points, um, either directly on that play or, you know, two uh, plays later. But yeah, you know, um, overall, I do think that, you know, Miami, they, Miami's defense knows who they are now. And this is a thing that I've been looking for and asking for ever since, you know, Mark D'Onofrio was here because I, and I said it for years in all kinds of places, that was not a Miami defense. And that was what the issue was. This is a Miami defense and it looks like it. And they play like it um, almost enough to, to get us uh, the win, you know, calls for turnovers, you know, just all kinds of things like that. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that there, Miami's defense is well in front of the offense. We've been hearing that for a while, obviously through fall camp, but you've seen, uh, you know, the, the proof of that now. And yeah, they, they do have a clear identity of self uh, and everything that in their play. Yeah. I mean, this is a defense that I, that, that has been one of the best in the ACC for a while. It was getting the offense to match it more specifically getting the quarterback play to match it. And I think that Miami's found that. So to recap real quick, Cam, not too thrilled overall with the offensive line. I think the running game left some to be desired outside of DJ Dallas, but how much of that is the Florida defensive line and front seven, I guess we'll find out soon. Jaron Williams holding onto the ball uh, too long, not great, but expected considered that, you know, that's his first collegiate start. Um, Miami's lack of tackling for the better part of the game. That's a problem now for the good Oh, I guess Bubba, Bubba backs his missed field goal. That was also not good. Plus the Jeff Thomas muff. Um, yeah, but anyway, um, the good. Uh, everything else that Jaron Williams did, essentially. Uh, DJ Dallas, real good player. Brevin Jordan, a real problem. Um, and then I think the Miami secondary and defense as a whole, I, I think they'll figure out the tackling. I mean, some of that is just Florida's athletes in space, like we mentioned. But I, I think Miami will figure out the tackling. Yeah, I think that they will as well. And, you know, if nothing else, uh, over the course of this week and, you know, bye week and then game week, uh, well, especially this bye week, I know that, uh, you know, there's probably going to be at least one, maybe two days off of practice, you know, where they just kind of let the, let the team, you know, relax, just maybe hit a meeting or something like that. But, you know, I would think that middle of this week, you know, maybe a Wednesday, Thursday, they're going to hit. It's going to be full pads, you know, every like take them to the ground, you know, like obviously not live quarterbacks because you want your quarterback getting hit. But I think they're really going to go back to the drawing board, you know, reteach how to tackle from the ground up and then put them in situations in practice where they have to do it. So not, you know, two hand touch, not one hand below the waist. No, get him on the ground. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's necessary. And this extra bye week, you know, for week one is the time to, to retool all of those things, whether it is uh, the offensive line. Um, you know, I saw some people talking about switching up the, the group uh, up front. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Um, not there yet. Right, exactly. I not mean, it's, it's one In game against the best defensive front that you're going to see. Yes. The offensive line did struggle across the board, every, all five, but don't be Florida State, yes. Cam. Don't be Florida State. They, they. I mean, some of that was injury-driven last year, but they could never find consistency up front. Don't overreact to one game against a really exactly. good I'm, I'm with you. And, yeah, I never want to be Florida State in any kind of context. <laughs> you know, so um, that's a thing that hopefully we don't do. Uh, but, yeah, you know, so you get to – if you're not going to retool the offensive line, then you're definitely going to work to improve them. Same thing with tackling. Same thing with, you know, Jaron Williams. Same thing with, uh, you know, with the, the internal uh, mental clock that he has. Uh, Got to speed that up. Same thing with, you know, the operations. I was thinking to myself, you know, having been a teacher for 15 years, what would I do to change the performance in such a way? And I'm thinking, yo, give them 20 seconds between plays. Don't give them 40. Don't give them a 25-second play clock. Give them less time and make it happen because then, you know, you actually have to, you know, quicken the pace. So I would like to see something like that. But, yeah, all those things hopefully we're able to develop right now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of positives. Miami is still the most talented team in the Coastal Division by absolute light years. Um, you know, have a quarterback with all the talent in the world. Uh, you do have top-end talent across the board in every skill position. Obviously, I think that we found some guys on defense who can play really, really well. Um, you know, in, even in the secondary, yeah, I know that they missed some tackles, but Amari Carter with the interception. Dervin Hall led the team in tackles with eight and a tackle for loss. Uh, Should have had a sack, but uh, he was one of the guys who, you know, let Felipe Frank step out of a sack, which, again, 
I understand is a daunting proposition with Dervin Hall being, you know, 5'11", 205 pounds going up against somebody who's 6'6", 245, but I still need to get him on the ground. But yeah, you know, there, there are positives to go along with those negatives. And, you know, I'm, I, I hate to be, you know, moral victory person. There are no moral victories. Like Miami lost that game. Yet and still, there are aspects of this team that lend themselves for the projection of, uh, you know, positive performance in the future. Yeah, and everything that Miami wants and needs is in front of them. Um, the one thing real quick, the operations side, you know, I, I chalk a little bit of that up to having a freshman quarter, a lot of it up to having a freshman quarterback in his first career start. Plus having Manny Diaz coaching his first career game as a head coach. I think it's kind of a perfect storm. That stuff will get cleaned up in this bye week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So all those things, you know, operationally uh, can get cleaned up as well. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, you know, um, it it was Jaron Williams' first real game. It was Manny Diaz's first game ever as a head coach. And those things did show, um, you know. And yeah, I mean, there is time to to develop for everybody, you know. So I mean, it, it is not just one person; it is the entire uh, roster, coaching staff, administrative or administrative staff, support everybody. Um, so yeah, you know, th- those things do need to get uh, tightened up as well. Yeah, I mean, the good news for Miami is that everything that they want out of this season is still in front of them. You lost by four to a team that was preseason top 10 with a brand new head coach and a brand new starting quarterback, and you didn't go and embarrass yourself on national TV. Um, I was trolling a little bit earlier this week, Cam, and I said, hey, only a few more days until Miami gets blown out of the stadium, and I was trolling a bit. But like I mentioned to you at the top of this podcast, uh, I come away much more impressed with Miami than I was with Florida. I think Florida has some issues and they're playing in a division that includes Georgia and they got a brutal schedule. They got to play Auburn this year. Like they got some defenses in front of them now with an inconsistent Felipe Franks. That's going to cause them more harm than good. Um, So it's as I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I agree with you. I definitely think that I came away more impressed by Miami. Um, obviously based upon where we ended last year um, than I did with Florida. And especially, man, you know, we had a couple chances to, to get a, a touchdown uh, and, and extend the lead out to, to 10 and really put that game away and uh, weren't able to do that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously credit to Florida for coming back and, you know, finding a way to win. But, I mean, that game was right there for the taking uh, for Miami and then we were not able to do it. But uh, back to, you know, the top point that you just made, Everything that, you know, Miami is going for this year is still in front of us. I didn't think that this was going to be an undefeated season anyway, so I'm not, like, heartbroken by that, you know, uh, kind of a thing. I mean, losing is never good, but I had already foreseen or I thought predicted that there were going to be losses. And, again, I called this to the exact score. So, I mean, I said, look, we're going to lose to Florida. We're going to win 10 of the next 11 go to the ACC championship game, and then figure it out from there. And, I mean, that run is still there. I mean, Central Michigan, like, whatever. You know, Bethune-Cookman, whatever. FIU, whatever. North Carolina, rebuild. Louisville, rebuild. Florida State, rebuild. You know, and then you got a cup of Georgia Tech, rebuild. And then you really have but four real right. games this year. You know what I mean? It's, it's Pittsburgh and then the Virginia schools. Yep. That's really it. Yep. Duke trash. I mean, like, it's it's really a three-game season from here on out. Yes, Miami has to go and actually execute and perform to that level. But like you said, everything that we had aspired to with, you know, starting with uh, a Coastal Division Championship, getting to the ACC Championship game, rolling the dice from there and seeing, all of that path is still in front of us in these next 13 weeks. So is it a thing where I am excited by losing? No, absolutely not. I hate losing, and I hate losing to Florida worse than pretty much anybody. But we can still have a good season moving forward. For sure. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, look, everything Miami wants and, you know, all their hopes that they've had for this season, it's all still in front of them. And you can lose a game in August, and not even the last weekend in August, and get away with the cam. This is week zero. There's a lot of football left. Um. I think we're good. I think we've covered everything, Cam. Thanks for thanks for joining me tonight. I think this is a solid recap of Week Zero, one that we weren't expecting to pull, but uh, it made sense for both of us to at least jump on. And I know Joey's appreciative of this. He was fired up that we were going to be jumping on talking Miami football tonight. So um, as as usual, Cam, I'll let you plug where uh, the listeners can find you. 
Yeah, man. Uh, it was it was good to get in here and uh, knock some of the the rust off and everything, and uh, share my dulcet tones with everybody out there. But uh, on all of our social, we are the state of the U. So that's Instagram, that is Twitter, that is Facebook. Uh, the website is stateoftheu.com. My personal Twitter is at Underwood Sports. And yeah, we are in full game uh, season mode already. So did our hundred plays, our hundred greatest plays in Miami Hurricanes history countdown this summer. Uh, did a bunch of stuff leading up to and including Florida Week. So had a story stream for that. We got graphics galore. We got uh, you know commentary and analysis. Uh, just the best out there. We have a wonderful group. Uh, and I don't say that just because I'm with the website. I would read all their stuff, and I don't even read their stuff when they're writing it. Until it goes to the web. So I get that same experience that you guys get. So, yeah, please come on over and see all of our stuff. So uh, I know that I was supposed to make that short, but I'm going I'm to do it this time. On all of our social, we're at The State of the U, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. The website is stateoftheu.com. Come fan with us. Good stuff, Cam. And we say this all the time. And Joey always brings us up every time that you're on. There is nobody more informed about the Miami Hurricanes football team and everything else going on with the U than Cam. So if you haven't already, listen to Cam on podcasts. Go watch him on Mark Rogers TV on YouTube. Read all his stuff. Uh, Don't make a mistake that you'll regret later with Miami in regards to Miami football coverage. Um, Cam, since. There's no Joey here. You get to stick around and watch me try to do this outro by myself. You ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Let's go. All right, here we go. Um, Okay, great. So we are on the Anchor platform, Cam. Nice. You know what that means? It means that I can go there to get my podcast. That's right. That's right. Look, Cam's even helping me out. How great is this? Okay, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher. A lot of different places. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there as well. Oh, where else, Cam? Um, I mean, you have an email address too, right? We do. Basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. I did not nail it. Nailed it. There it is. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike McDaniel CFB. You can find Joey at FTRS Joey. You can find us collectively for this podcast at BC podcast ACC on Twitter. So go check that out. If you haven't already, make sure to tell your friends too. Uh, we're growing this podcast. We're doing so we're pulling some pretty good numbers here, Cam, which is great news. And that's because you got a great following that loves to listen about, listen and hear more about Miami football. So that's huge. Um, but yeah, we're growing our following. Make sure to tell your friends if they're interested in ACC football to subscribe to us wherever they get their podcasts. And for Mr. Cam Underwood, we'll talk soon, buddy. Yes, sir. All right, bye. And for Joey Weaver, who's here in spirit, uh, I'm Mike McDaniel. And until next time, go ACC.